Our scripture reading is taken from Titus chapter 2 this morning, and you'll notice that that looks a lot like the passage that we read last week. Well, it is all but with the addition of one extra verse. We read 1 through 5 last week. We'll read 1 through 6 this morning. So if you can all stand together for the reading of God's Word, I'll read the first, then all together on the second, and we'll alternate in that fashion. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. So train young women to love their husbands and children. To be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Let's bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word. And we ask that you give us what is necessary both to understand it and obey it. I ask that you help me not to cloud wisdom with too many words. May we live under your word today and its authority. We ask this in your name. Amen. Last week, we began chapter 2, and we'll continue in chapter 2 for a number of weeks. And this morning, what we're going to do is cover the next couple of groups. Last week was older men and older women. Today, younger women and younger men. And we more or less put everything under the banner uh, of a number of words. We use this phrase, believing is behaving. And we talked about how that this pattern that we see here in Titus is found so many other places in the New Testament that after an adequate portion of understanding what we are to believe, say, for example, in the book of Romans, have 11 chapters before verse 1 of chapter 12 where we're told to submit our bodies as living sacrifices. So take what you believe and live it out in your life. We saw that in Philippians, in Colossians, in Ephesians. We see it here in Titus. And that's not all of it. But we'll work with that for the next few weeks. What we believe should be seen in how we behave. And I'm thankful to Paul for making it very simple for us. If we were to look back in chapter 2 to ask the question, well, why is that so important? He gives it to us over and over again just so we know that there is a purpose for all this. If you look back in verse 5, so that the word of God may not be reviled. That our behavior should never be an occasion for someone to actually curse the word of God because of our hypocrisy verse number 8 so that an, an opponent and we'll have those from time to time if not persistently that they may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us and then finally where we ended last week so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior to make the gospel 
Christ dying in our place because of grace that we would make that attractive by the way that we live that's the goal for these things so the grace of God is to reach the lost world Uh, it's going to depend on the behavior of the church and remember from last week they will not judge us by our theology the world doesn't care about our theology or what we know Really, all they'll ever pay attention to is how we behave, how we act, what we say, what we do. And then, based on an understanding of whether or not we claim to be a believer or understand the Bible, they'll begin to judge us based on our alignment with it. Now, some have identified this passage as controversial. And we looked at that a bit last week. And I agree that that is the sentiment sometimes there have been times and places in history where this thing these things we've just read taught in this passage have been commonly believed that that was then and I'd say for most of history and in most communities there would have been no pushback in other words these things would have been considered normal but that is not our present culture And even quoting a passage of Scripture like this, or parts of it, in the public square could could get you shouted down. And the only reason why I bring that up is because we need to be aware of that type of thing. If, If we're going to engage the world around us and make the gospel that we believe attractive, then we're going to need to approach that in a winsome way. We're going to have to understand that there are a good number of people that do not think this way and rather than pushing our opinions and our preferences we just speak clearly the truth and let the truth speak for itself standing on its own legs of logic as coming from the mind of the man who created the whole place to start with and we have to do that with the right attitude so I mention that just because we We need to remember that at any point we've got others perhaps visiting that that might not necessarily feel this way. And now I'd like to organize the material this morning, what we read, those six verses, uh, a little differently than the way you see that chronologically in the passage we just read. Uh, And that's for the purpose of keeping it organized and for the sake of delivery. But if you notice, there's two verses for the ladies and one verse for the young men. So there's a two-to-one ratio. And although I'm usually quite the fan of ladies first, since there's more material, let's, let's deal with the men first. Having done that, we've got more time to spend with what we see here as, as more material to work with. And what I want to do is bring in an Old Testament passage a parallel passage and what I mean by that is it's talking about the same things and we'll use that to kind of bridge the gap between the, the two the, the young men and the young women and see how it, it ties the two together so let's look at verse 6 likewise urge the younger men to be self-controlled the instruction for young men here is is brief it's shorter than any of the other three groups but I believe that it's comprehensive that all that a young man needs to know 
is tied up in those words along with the word likewise which takes us all the way back to the top and adds all those things together and then adds this extra on the end and really it's nothing extra it's already been said but here it's been said again so it's as if Paul is saying give them a double emphasis on self-control that's what the young men need and where Titus was instructed uh, that the younger women should be taught indirectly through the teaching of the older women. He's not directly talking to the younger women. His age is actually an advantage in dealing directly with the younger men. The word urge here, or encourage, if your translation uses that word, is an appeal to their sense of personal moral responsibility. Press in on their moral responsibility, Titus, pastor, elder, youth minister, deacon, father, all of those apply. The word likewise, again, carries all the responsibility of the previous instruction, but then to double emphasis on self-control. The reason for that is because young men are usually bent, inclined, to be somewhat impetuous and unrestrained perhaps in their conduct perhaps in their vocabulary perhaps in their dress forget all those in every way usually that's where they need instruction most self-control that is cultivating a balanced and self-resistant daily practice that's what they're going to need, some balance, some restraint. So if you're, if you're one that makes notes, I thought this was probably a good way to put it. This is how I heard it once before. Paul is saying, in effect, Titus helped the young men learn how to apply the brakes to life. Where with the older men, the emphasis is to make sure you don't check out too early. Uh, as far as your usefulness to the rest of the kingdom. Your value is far more than you would estimate. So let's have some gas. Pedal to the metal. But with the younger, no, no, no. We need some brakes. It's, it's, it's backward. But that, really, that makes sense to us. Help them learn how to curb their ambition and purge themselves of greed. Show them how to master their urges and impulses, uh, sexually and otherwise. Show them how to uh, be responsible stewards of money rather than squanderers. Show them the rewards of unselfish leadership and the absolute folly of self-centered pursuits. Now, if we were to go back and lay that right over the older men, it, it almost is completely inverted do you think that sounds about right for younger men is that what they need I'm addressing the entire family from, from all ends and from different angles I think that sounds about right uh, Stephen Davy, you may know that name not too far from here uh, has said a vitally engaged responsibly active and spiritually mature young man is the church's most endangered species. That 
godly young men and godly young women, the women usually outnumber them two to one. If you have a gathering for younger people, there's usually more girls than boys. Why? Because they don't know where the brake pedal is. They're all over doing everything and anything. Try to get it all in before you, something bad happens to you, like getting old. <laughs> is what they're taught. It's the way the advertising goes. It, it, it's pretty much the way everything is marketed. So I think this fits very good. Um, the age group is often in transition. They're either studying or working away from home. Sometimes that's absolutely necessary. It would not have been that way generations ago without the modern advent of, of technology and travel and things of that sort. But it's surely the case these days. And away from home, away from their family, away from their accountability group, uh, they're going to have to negotiate um, life with a cargo ship full of confidence and just a milk crate full of experience. Is that about right? While they tr seek to conquer the world. It needs some breaks. And I think this is exactly what Paul is on to here. So let me have you turn to what I propose a parallel passage talking about the same thing and when I tell you where to turn you're going to say I don't get it turn to Proverbs 31 you say well that's about women well, I know that but it's not for women because we're going to read at the beginning there that this was addressed to a young man and written by none other than his mother so this has to do with both, but Proverbs 31 was actually written for young men in addition to young women. That's the passage of Scripture that we read on Mother's Day, right? That's the passage of Scripture that uh, outlines a virtuous woman or is the basis for a, a multi marketed level business the likes of which the church has never seen handbags and organizers and everything else 31 right you didn't know that was based off Proverbs 31 did you well look what it says in verse 1 the words of King Lemuel we don't know much about him an oracle that his mother taught him what are you doing my son what are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Does that sound like a mom talking to a young man? What are you doing? What are you doing? What you're doing doesn't make sense to me. So what she's doing is impressing upon him the need to stop, think, pay attention, consider what's happening, what he's into, and listen to instruction from his mother, who is an older woman. Verse 3, do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed or pervert the righteousness of all the afflicted. 
Give strong drink to one who is perishing, wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. We could break all that down, and it's it's basically just a handful of things. It's not so complicated. First of all, watch spending any time with the wrong type of woman. There are women who can destroy entire kingdoms. Don't do that. Don't give your strength. What do you suppose that means? I think it probably sounds like your absolute focus every waking moment. Sometimes that's the way it looks when a young man says he's in love. He, she says, watch that. And also this abuse of, of alcohol, rulers don't take strong drink. Well, why? So they don't forget the rules. Remember I mentioned Johnny Hunt said that stuff will relax your morals? It's a sedative. It's what it does. Give strong drink to the one who's perishing. Use that as a medicine for people who are really bad off. Not as an excuse, but as a prescription almost. And then open your mouth, mouth for the mute. Open your mouth for uh, the destitute. Speak the truth for them on their behalf, for the poor and the needy. Do you not agree that this sounds like a mother telling her son, let's see how that brake pedal works? What do you think? This sounds like self-control to me. In the, in, in the idea of women, the idea of his appetite, and the idea of others around him, that he makes sure that he saves the world from one last poor soul who thinks the world revolves around him. That's what this mother's saying. Self-control is the recipe that she's describing. Now, if you look at what's next, it seems that she picks one of these out from the others to talk more about. And that has to do with this description of a Christ-like woman. And if we'll notice in the first few verses of that section, it seems to be set in the language of a valuable treasure to be sought after as true wealth in life. Just listen to this mother. An excellent wife who can find... She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. You won't find that language in Scripture. What you'll find in Scripture is not to trust your heart. Don't lean into your own understandings. All your ways acknowledge Him, Scripture, wisdom, Proverbs. That'll direct your paths. But this man is able to trust his wife. That's significant. We don't see things like that. And he will have no lack of gain. She does him good, not harm, all the days of her life. So here's what I want to suggest. I I, I give this to you. You're thinking people. We're studying Proverbs 2, so let's use that model. We'll pull in all the older women and all the older men, along with the younger men and younger women, and I'll ask you the question, deferring to experience and wisdom from the older generation, do you think it possible that this young man's mother is suggesting that in an effort to strengthen his self-control, she is suggesting that he get busy finding the right woman and get married. 
Now I told you, chapter 2 is going to get all up in your business. And this is not what the world would be telling us. The world would be saying, wait. You need to find out what you like and what you don't like and live your life and go the places you want to go and get your education and then think about getting married. Problem is, we never see that in Scripture. And I don't even want to talk about how young people were when they got married in the culture where this was written because it's not far off than where some of my kids are right now. And I'm one to talk about marrying my wife a few months after she was 18. I had to talk her into coming home from school or I was going to have to get her daddy to sign a piece of paper that said I could marry her before she turned 18. So what have I got to say about it? Well, think of it this way. And... uh in our Sunday school class in Virginia, sometimes on purpose I used to put a segment in our Sunday school lesson because it just got to where it was a running joke that at least once in every lesson Isaac's going to ruin everything. <laughs> just by something he says. I'm of the opinion, and here's my disclaimer, and I'll have to put this out here to start with. If we're talking about a godly young man and a godly young woman with godly parents who not only believe the word but demonstrate it by their own example in their houses and they're part of a working church with qualified leadership and the accountability of that church family is working as it should then why wait for that type of thing if the maturity is there and the safety net of the rest of the family and the church is there as well. Now, if none of that's in place, then it really is they're on their own. And it might be one of the worst mistakes they ever make to go into this with immaturity and with no accountability and with no church to back them up and with no examples for them to see in real life of what it's supposed to look like. But if that's not there, you tell me what grows a young man up more than waking up the day after he's married and realizing it's not just about him anymore. He's got someone to support. And then within a year of being married, I remember sitting behind my drum set in the living room. See, that's how goofy it still was. I could have a drum set in a living room. We were just <laughs> newly married and it didn't matter. And that was the only furniture in the living room. <laughs> if I wanted to sit down, I had to sit down behind the drum set. My wife comes downstairs and she hands me one of those things. And there's a plus on it instead of a minus. That second step of growing up, realizing that it's not just two of you, it's going to be three. And you've got a nine-month period to get ready for it. And the way the Lord works, in, even metabolically in a woman's body and her brain and all the things that change, it, it, it's amazing. That's the best brake pedal I know of. I really do. And it matches what I'm seeing here in Scripture. And probably ought to get away from the pulpit to say certain things like this, but at the, at the, you're laughing. At the tabernacle, because I don't know you folks well enough, but at the tabernacle, there's, a, there's young men there that need to quit the video games and ask a girl out on a date. That'd be the best thing for them. Stop sinking all their money into their toys. 
Start saving money because the kids are going to break your little bank. It's a big bank now because it's all you've got. This is why we need older ladies and older men to show us how this works. And I'm thinking from this king's mother here, Proverbs 31. This is good advice. So with that just as an idea for you to think about amongst yourselves, let's shift over to the younger women. And we don't necessarily have to leave Proverbs 31 to get to verse 4 right away. Just think about what is listed there as, as a model of womanhood described in Proverbs 31. She gets up early. She goes to bed late. She has her own garden, prepares all her family's food, has her own clothing business. She's apparently a real estate agent. <laughs> Works out, is in great shape doesn't waste time, takes care of the poor. Her kids get up in the morning and sing her praises. It's Wonder Woman. <laughs> and I say all that as if to joke. That sounds like a perfect woman because there's absolutely no evidence of any fault in that listing. Now, how many perfect women or perfect men are part of this world we live in. None. So that's not what we're supposed to get out of this. In fact, I've thought that perhaps Proverbs 31 is the most depressing passage of Scripture to hold up on Mother's Day. But if you think of it the way I think it's intended to be given to us, it's a model of Christ-likeness. But in a feminine arrangement, we have those all throughout Scripture. We're not perfect, but it's so we know what it looks like in order to give us something to shoot for, whether we're men or women. So when you consider it like that, and the reason why we're given pictures of Christ's likeness, He's already given us the answer. So God's word isn't reviled, so no one can speak evil, and so we make the gospel attractive to those who don't know it yet. That's why it's so important. So having said that about Proverbs 31, let's look at verse 4 of Titus 2. Hope you still have your finger there. And um, by the way, I meant to mention this earlier. Uh, That's 1032 in your pew Bibles if you don't have your Bible with you. That's where we find Titus 1 and 2 and part of chapter 3. So train the young women to love their husbands and children. We talked briefly about that last week. To be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. That lines up almost perfectly with Proverbs 31. Those ingredients are in both. So if we were to ask the question, how old is a younger woman? We talked about 50 before. Well, this would be younger than 50, but when we see this in Scripture, it seems to carry along the idea of able to have children or having children in the home. It's hard to find motherhood decoupled from children in the Scriptures. I know the way that women were treated 
were different. It wasn't right, not until we see Jesus come into the picture do we ever even see women treated with the dignity they would deserve as uh, equally sacred as God's creation. It's the same. It's just different container. Uh, hope to have time to talk at length about those things at a later date. But able to have children, children in the homes. We keep that in our mind as we move on. First thing that's said here is they love their husbands and love their children. And why they'll need an older lady in order to do that. Because it's not so natural as it might seem on the surface. Things change after the wedding vows. And, and, and I could give you the statistical stuff that the psychologists say about 24 to 36 months later chemicals change in the brain there's two types of people in this room those who know this by experience and those who aren't married yet (laughs) (laughs) things change it's not the way you you think it is before you're married you look at weddings if you attend isn't this nice and you go to a wedding afterward and you think My Lord, I hope somebody gets to him and tells him the truth. (laughs) In the best sense of the way, I wouldn't trade my married life for one day as a single ever. This idea of a hall pass is the biggest bunch of junk from the devil. It takes two. And I've been convinced of that even more every day. And uh, having spent... Uh, time without my family for reasons some of you know perhaps prayer requests in, in, in Sunday school I get bored with it I call home I want to be home it, it, you know what I'm talking about uh, it's especially bad for the ones that think that it's all about love and spontaneity and fireworks and explosions what love is about what this verse is about why you need an older lady is to let them know in their loving way that marriage is about love it's about a promise it's about commitment love is about trust submission respect honor and an occasional firework that's mixed in there too but it's not the main thing to love their husbands refers to willingly determinedly that's a word Love that's not based on a husband's worthiness, but on God's command that is extended by a wife's affection and obedient heart. I heard it put this way. I thought this was good. Pour yourself into your husband until you've got so much of yourself invested, it would be a waste not to love him. (laughs) I would think that would fit the example here. Now, here's something that Spurgeon wrote. If you know Spurgeon, this was a long time ago. And this is going to sound old-fashioned. And parts of it may think the man's out of touch. He's beginning to become tone-deaf. It's not the way it works anymore. But hear him out to the end. She delights in her husband, in his person, in his character, his affection. To her, he is not only the chief and foremost of mankind, but in her eyes, he is all in all. Her heart's love belongs to him and to him only. He is her little world her paradise, her choice treasure. She's glad to sink her individuality in him. She seeks no renown for herself. His honor is reflected upon her and she rejoices in it. 
She will defend his name with her dying breath. Safe enough is he where she can speak for him. His smiling gratitude is all the reward she seeks. Even in her dress, she thinks of him and considers nothing beautiful which is distasteful to him. He has many objects in life, some of which she does not quite understand. She believes them, and anything she can do to promote him, she delights to perform. Here's the bottom line, and why I thought it fit this passage. Such a wife, as a true spouse, realizes the model marriage relation and sets forth what our oneness with the Lord ought to be. Ever thought of it that way? That the way you treat your husband might teach your daughter about how to treat her Lord? That's what this is about. So again, a careful look might save us from the assumption that this is as natural as it seems. Loving your children isn't necessarily sitting in an auditorium gloating over their performance at their school or dumping massive amounts of money in, into something that will give them the slightest edge in their hobby or their sport. That's not love. Now, that might be fun, but don't confuse that with love. And here's what I mean by that. All of those things are well and great as long as you have the time, the budget, and you've prioritized what's most important. But if that's in place, but you're not pouring yourselves spiritually into your child, that would probably be better described as child abuse because you're giving them everything not to save them, but perhaps to alienate them from the Lord, even if only keeping them so busy that they never have time to consider what matters most. Make sure that we don't get those things confused. So what is it that these women are to be in addition to loving their families? Well, it says here self-controlled, which is the same thing for the younger men we've already discussed. And then coupled with that is the word pure. I think they're tied together for a reason. Self-controlled is the same as sensible. It's the same quality that characterized elders. It's a common sense, good judgment, should improve with age. But Titus is saying it should be evident in early adulthood. The word pure along with that is the avoidance of everything that is impure. This isn't hard to understand what pure is. As bad off as Crete was, they knew what purity was. And Wake County knows what purity is, whether you're, you're a Christian or not. You, you know that if you're an adult. And we shouldn't make it overly complicated. And don't think for a minute that part of your life can be pure and the rest of your life can be impure and it's not going to affect each other doesn't exist also working at home and that's associated with the word kindness those two seem to be coupled together and I think that's for a reason um, we built our home in Ringgold we lived with uh, Corey's parents for 11 months um, that's probably the third best thing to apply brakes to a young man's <laughs> self-control living with your in-laws they're probably watching here too. Um, 
but while we built our home and moved in and, and everything was new about it, it absolutely fascinated me at how fast a house can fall apart and how fast walls can get beat up, how fast plumbing can begin to leak, mold can begin to grow on your, on your gutters on the shady side of the house, all the things you have to do to keep up a house. And shame on me for ever thinking that that was anywhere close to trying to keep the thing clean inside with one, two, three, four children and buy the groceries and all the things that moms do. So when all that piles up and you begin to spend not just your financial budget but your time budget on credit and things get behind and you don't know if if you ever dig out and then the doorbell rings and somebody wants to come in that's where that word kind I think is is for reminder because uh, the demand of unsparing self-giving may subject this young woman to the temptation to be irritable and harsh and her demands on members of the household and this is where the young men need to know and need to give space need to be themselves what they need to be so she doesn't have an excuse to say, well, you know, you're not so dandy yourself. But I like the way that each group is addressed so that each group has their own thing. What is this verse saying to us? Just to bring it back down to the bottom. Our time is almost gone. The idea of the home and this emphasis seem, seeming to be placed in the home for young women. And then this culture we live in and how that's so different. We could make this verse say a lot more than we wanted it to. And a lot of churches have. A lot of pastors really just get all wound up and kind of go off on some of these things. Woe unto us if we take this verse further than it was meant to go. And at the same time, to not take it as far as it should go. So let's make sure we know what this is saying. The sphere of influence of a young woman with children is clearly within the home from these verses. Doesn't mean she can't leave the home for employment. Because this verse doesn't say that. That would be saying more than this verse says. But if she fails to make an impact in that sphere, the home with her children that she and her husband brought into this world, that sphere of influence, she'll leave a huge gap that no one else can fill in the same way. And that's the truth. And that would be saying less if we didn't make that point. So the Lord has made men and women differently. Their roles are different. But it's very clear that there's no replacement for mom. As far as I'm concerned, it's the most important role on the planet. And behind any man who ever made a difference in this world was a stronger woman who enabled him to do that, and that by God's design. I came across this. This is, this is what I'll leave you with. came across this in preparation for this message. And as a father with four married with children, I think this fits pretty good. You might call it a mother's job description. 
And you just tell me if, if any of this could be farmed out to someone else and it be the same. She's a cleaner. She can clean and straighten the whole house when someone calls and says they'll be over in five minutes. I've seen this happen. She's a listener. Always has time to listen to overly descriptive child drama. Which a man can only take so much of. She's a driver to here, there, and everywhere, and back again to here, there, and everywhere. I thought I knew what that meant when we lived in Virginia. I love North Carolina, but there's two things I don't really particularly like. Your traffic and your DMV. <laughs> She's also a fixer. Of bad dreams, broken toys, scuffed knees. She's a cooker. The grammar's not so good here. I understand that. But in slaving over a meal that no one seems to like, only to cook boxed macaroni the following night, and here it was the best meal ever. (laughs) She's a replacer. Toilet paper, paper towels, hand towels, light bulbs, Q-tips, fish food, whatever else. She's a loser. As in never winning a game against a little person. She's a negotiator when brother and sister have reached an ugly impasse. She's a killer of bugs. She's a saver of bugs. Boys like them saved, girls like them dead. She's an opener, fruit cups, freeze pops, Capri Suns. She's an answerer. Are we there yet? When is lunch? When is dinner? Can I have a snack? Can I have a drink? Can I play in the sprinkler? Can I have the scissors? She's a sleeper. That's the only one in the negative. She doesn't sleep. She's a buyer, like the once in a while when it's okay to put quarters in the machine at the end of the checkout counter. She's a translator, fluent in two-year-old gibberish. She's a hider of chocolate which is a survival skill. She's a giver, a joy giver, like dancing in the kitchen, singing in the car, throwing things off the deck, whatever gets a laugh. She's a teacher in a million and one different ways. A shopper, because if Dad went out to get the kids' clothes... (laughs) She's an understander, Understanderer, as my kids might say, because not always are things going to turn out as planned. She's a finder of anything that is lost Legos, backs off earrings, the other shoe. She's a worker. She can make things work because sometimes they just have to. She's a reader of many books, knows the voices to make four year olds laugh. And she's a cheerleader. Child will never find a better cheerleader than the one who believes in them and their dreams. My father's cheerleader was actually his grandmother. And the way the Lord works, there can be substitutes when necessary. I think it's only required that for each child at least one person should be crazy about them in order for them to grow up normal. But the best way 
is for mom to do this. And all those things that look like they would impose on a schedule listed in Proverbs 31. You'll notice there's no, it's not a lot of me time there. So when you get, when you look at that and add that list up, I'm not sure you're very far off from what Christ said when he said, Greater love hath no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Not that she's jumping in front of a train or a bus, but just using and spending herself, all of it, for her children. I don't know any other way to demonstrate the character of Christ than faithful, biblical mother with children all over the place. And... Well, it's particularly hard, and I mention it now because I know people in this category, those who would desperately want nothing more than to be a mother, but for some reason God in His wisdom has not allowed that. And that's not that they're forgotten. It's that God has something He knows, but He's not telling. But where did we start this morning? Believing is behaving, and there's a reason why. So that the gospel's not reviled. Actually, the gospel's made attractive. And that no one has anything ugly to say about the church who claims to believe things but doesn't live them. How many backward homes, and we're not talking about just backward homes in in the world. We're talking about backward homes of people who call themselves Christians. And when I say backward, I mean dysfunctional. It's a mess. And not because it happened to them, but because of decisions made that were wrong, and over time it just fell apart. But that type of thing. How many backward homes of Christians have been the only excuse needed for a non-believer to brush off the offer of salvation? I've seen her home. I don't need what she's selling. With much responsibility... Much given, much responsibility. So this is places where uh, you call this no man's land. These are things read from Scripture, but willingly and enthusiastically handed over to the older women for their use in training up the younger women to be the women that are described in Scripture. Not perfect but Christ-like for the purpose of winning the lost for His glory and for His kingdom. And as far as the young men go, slow down. Don't be the guy who thinks the world revolves around you. Don't be like I was and am occasionally. That's why we need older men and moms who will write letters like to this man and ask you, what are you doing Three separate times. And probably call you by your middle name while doing it. (laughs) We've learned a lot today. We have a lot to be responsible for. So let's us bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. And for its truth. And for the the things that accord with sound doctrine. This place where the rubber meets the road where we live at street level 
ways in which we can keep one another accountable to make the most of our influence for your kingdom, that we not waste our lives, our youth, our ideas, our motivation, but to spend that on the business for which you died, to encourage one another in that same effort. Thank you for grace, which gives us the ability to even do this at all. And Lord, I pray for the person who perhaps has been adding some of these things up over the last few weeks, and perhaps more so now than ever before, the real picture of real Christianity, and perhaps what it really means to trust you as Lord and Savior is coming into focus. And Lord, I ask that in your providence, you save them as they by faith give you their life. Lord, be sovereign. And we thank you again for our time together in your house. Ask this in your name. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, once again, it has been good to be in your house, to be with your people. And we know that many of our family are away from town this weekend for the Labor Day holidays. We just pray that you will watch over them and bring them back home safely. Thank you for the message this morning from the book of Titus. Help us as men and women to be faithful and obedient to your word and to be good examples and role models for the younger people that we come in contact with each day. Help each one of us to stay focused on the eternal things, Lord, and not the temporary ones, to be rooted in your word daily. We thank you for the youth activities that we have, Awanas and Upward Basketball and now the Kids on Missions. Uh, We just thank you that we're able to provide these programs, and we just pray that many a young person will come to know you as their Lord and Savior through these activities. Father, we lift up to you Mission of the Week, Bible Broadcasting Network. We thank you for the ministry that they have to provide the gospel through the airways, and we just ask you to watch over them, provide them with their needs so that they continue to reach people through through radio. Lord, go with us as we leave this place. Help us to stand solid in you and be ready to proclaim the gospel at every opportunity. We ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.